You're now listening to Dirty Feet, a brand new podcast on No More Radio. Bonjour, oui, vous êtes sur les ondes des pieds sales, aka Dirty Feet podcast on No More Radio. I'm Alison Burns. I'm JD Papillon. Oh, I'm Jen Don. The donor. donor. I'm the donor. This is Joanie on No More Radio. Stay tuned for dance, circus, burlesque, tango, movement, salsa, whatever it is, we're going to move you. You're listening to Dirty Feet, a brand new dance podcast from No More Radio. And uh, we're doing a very special burlesque performance edition of Dirty Feet. And uh, we have a plenty of burlesque performers and artists in studio today. And we're going to be talking to them about their art form. Uh, I am Alison Burns, one of your hosts, along with... Judy Papillon. Joanie. Jen Doan. Otherwise known as the Donors. <laughs> That's going to stick now, Jen. You realize that? All right. Donors? Yeah. Okay. Donors. <laughs> and uh, and a whole bunch of guests. We have five guests in studio. Let's start to my left here. Who do we have? Hello. My name is Cherry Typhoon. I have been working at theater industry from 1995 and become burlesque dancer in 2003. And where have you been doing burlesque? Oh, I have been performing in Tokyo. Tokyo, Japan, especially, and then almost all over the world now. Oh, wow. Mm. Welcome to Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I love Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Velma Candias, and I've been in dance and theater since about yay high, three <laughs> feet high, I guess, and uh, I've been doing burlesque, and I run a troupe, and I run a monthly show. What's the name of your troupe? The Dead Doll Dancers, and there's the Candy Ass Club Cabaret. Hi, I'm Sucrata Creme. I've been doing burlesque for about three years now, and uh, mostly in Montreal, but I've had the opportunity to bop around a little bit. Ottawa, Toronto, I was going to say Montreal, but uh, yeah, that's a given. Uh, Boston, Halifax, yeah. Hi, my name is Ms. Libertine Rose. Uh, I have a background in dance, and for the last year, I've been doing burlesque in Montreal, uh, learning from all these performers around me today. Uh, hi, my name is Miss Sugarpuss, and I have also been doing a bunch of different uh, theater and dance and singing since I was about seven, um, and I started doing burlesque in 2005, um, mostly during the fringe festivals with um, some shows that I wrote with my burlesque persona. And I also have performed kind of all over the world, thanks to Cherry in Tokyo as well, um, and a bunch of our friends over there, and in the States and uh, around Canada. I'd like to know why burlesque? What attracted you to burlesque performance? Did you stumble upon it? Was it an inspiration from another artist? I'll get the ball rolling. <laughs> I'll just start. Um, I think it was always part of my consciousness as a little kid watching musicals, movies, Disney cartoons. I mean, there are elements of all kinds of ancient theatrical art forms in, in all the culture that I was exposed to. You know, I think I was attracted to that element of showgirlness, the corsets, the 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 tights, the the way the shoes looked, the way that Sid Charisse looked in Singing in the Rain, and she wasn't exactly a ballerina, but I didn't know what she was, um, and I knew I loved it. And then I I happened to stumble in 2004 um, onto this documentary called The Anatomy of Burlesque by the late Linda Lee Tracy, a brilliant filmmaker, and she basically you know took us through the anatomy of burlesque. And I was with my mom at the time, who was <laughs> trying to pull me out of a depression because I was a starving artist and totally lost. And uh, and I realized that everything I had ever known deep, deep down in my subconscious about dance, about being a woman, about being a performer, about being a pretty lady or somebody who had something special was embodied in vaudeville and burlesque. So I wrote a burlesque play that I, you know, kind of stepped into eventually. I started calling myself a burlesque performer long before I ever actually stepped on stage and took my clothes off. But um, that's where it started for me. It was completely accidental and completely meant to be, basically. 
haven't been able to get away from it since. <laughs> <laughs> this is sucre à la crème. As Ms. Sugarfuss has heard me say several times now, uh, about four years ago, I was just out of a big breakup at a really weird point in my life. I'd just gotten kicked out of music school. I was kind of adrift and trying to figure out what was what. And I was like, hey, this looks interesting. This burlesque show at the Mainline Theater. I've heard a lot about it. I'm going to go check it out. And this was Team Burlesque. And I still remember the, the number that sort of clicked with me. They were doing this back-to-school spectacular. And she did this number where she was dressed as a janitor, complete with like the push broom mustache and the push broom and I just remember tears pouring down my face from laughing while this gorgeous girl is taking her clothes off and just loving the sort of cognitive dissonance of, of the completely absurd and goofy and the the sublime and gorgeous and just thinking okay I, I want to do that I want to mm -hmm. do that so I started going to more shows and eventually uh, when the festival started up about three four years ago now I volunteered to be a stage kitten and it just kind of evolved organically from there. What is a stage kitten? Uh, a stage kitten is uh, the person who helps uh, set up props on stage and picks up clothes after, but it's it's not just that. I mean, there's obviously the element of, you know, flirting with the audience, flirting with the host, you know, being silly on stage. So, so it's part of the performance then, yeah? Yeah. That's a great introduction, I guess. Mm. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I actually had a lot of fun as a stage kitten. For me, uh, Miss Libertine Rose, um, <laughs> I had just moved to Montreal and I wasn't feeling entirely inspired by dance anymore. And I was working in an office job, which I was not liking, and I was just feeling really uninspired and kind of blah about life. Uh, and so, just I guess out of fate, I wound up seeing a burlesque show. And it was amazing because it combined theatrics, comedy, dance, stripping, <laughs> everything on stage at the same time, glitter, sequins. And so then I kind of let that sit and I wasn't thinking about doing too much about it, but I knew that if the chance ever arose, I would love to get on stage and try that myself. And then I was eating dinner one night and met Miss Bloody Marianne, who is the head of the Blood Ballet Cabaret. And she gave me the opportunity to put an act together and be in her next show. And from there, I just completely fell in love with it. I could, I could bring my dance in, but I could do dance in a different way. And it wasn't dance-centered, and I could make it this comedic routine. And it was just this little theatrical act where it really upped the ante because I was taking off clothes as well. <laughs> I'm Velma Candias, and I had been stripping at a certain point in my life. And there were feature dancers, and this is in another province, Ontario, where they still have a lot more theatricality in a lot of the dancing. And also along the way, I had been, you know, in Toronto, and I had come across groups like the Scandals, and um, also in New York, where I'd seen performers like Bonnie Dunn, and others along the way, and it was like going to these underground cabarets and sort of seeing a more theatrical version of erotic dance, sensual dance, and it was starting to click with me. But I was like, oh, well, I'm not burlesque, that's not what I do, that's I'm performance art. Something, I'm stripping naked, but it's more arty, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's really all the same thing. Then along the way, people started saying, no, no, what you're doing is burlesque. Said, okay, fine. So along the way, I came to accept the title more of that what I was doing was burlesque. And with a theater group that I was here with in Montreal, a very experimental group, Travesty Theater, we developed uh, something called the Dead Dolls Cabaret, out of which a crazy group of dancing girls who were originally just chorus line dancers with a sort of 1920s style vocabulary of movement. In our research, we were looking at very early films and the earlier style of stripping. It was like, okay, let's integrate that in and get the girls up to doing this. And so just that along the way just sort of developed very organically, I guess you could say, for me as, as an art form. Hi, my name is Cherry Typhoon. And if the people asking me why burlesque, because burlesque is a very positive way for the lady or gentleman to be very confident person for themselves. And I'd like to tell you a very short story of why I started burlesque. When I, I used to be a theatrical director, um, some directors told me, Cherry, Cherry is not my real name, but yeah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me, 
you cannot work with your friend when you become really good director. I asked, Mr. Why? Why I cannot work with my friend? Because there is invisible age border in professional theater industry. You know, like every theater industry prefers young, beautiful lady. So that means when I become old, I cannot work with my same generation. When I listen to, to this story, I don't know, but I was younger than now, of course, but, but I feel very bad about that. And most of my friends is said to be older because they are after 23 years old. In Japanese industry, after 23 years old to 40, it, this is very difficult to get a job. It's reality. So I get really angry, and I formed the cabaret, and I formed <laughs> old, old 23 years, over 23 years old, 20, 23, 35, blah, 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 around 40 or whatever. And then I really love this very positive girl's cabaret called Murasaki Baby Doll. That starts with 33 members. And then one day I joined the cabaret. I don't know why, but I, I feel good to join the cabaret member. And this cabaret, one day, uh, get, a, get a prize at, at some show. And we, we got a prize and performed at New York. And in, in New York, there is a lot of burlesque dancer because we booked burlesque show. But I didn't take my clothes off. I did a cabaret show. However, I didn't know the word burlesque. <laughs> so I performed, I take off, and one burlesque dancer, Miss Indigo Blue, who is Miss Exotic World 2012 at Burlesque Hall of Fame, came to me and, hey, you are funny, 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 funny. And what you want to do is burlesque. And I, I cannot understand English, but I understand the word burlesque. So I become, I decided to do burlesque more seriously. That is my story. I think I may have skipped over something. What is burlesque? Yes, please. That was actually a question I added yesterday. I was like, we have all these lovely questions about burlesque, but um, what is it for you guys? Well, mm -hmm. Miss Sugarpuss thinks that it's sort of, <laughs> I can't do this third person thing. <laughs> I think, I, Miss Sugarpuss, think that uh, it can transcend the traditional meaning, which is a satirical, erotic way of removing clothing in a dancey manner. You know, now it, it kind of can encompass everything. It, it, it has transcended that. And, and gone through it and up and down and over it. It can be really whatever you want. For me, burlesque is freedom. Freedom to have the body that I have, freedom to say the things that I would never be able to say in a, a movie or in a television show that I don't get hired for because I have a wrong body in the society. I can write my own projects. I can produce my own shows. I can hire dancers that you know, won't be given a shot anywhere else. I can form dancers. I can train I mean, and I can train people to be their best self and, and hire them to be their best 120 million percent glittery, sparkly, brilliant, loving human self on stage in my shows. Or I can recommend, you know, the community allows us to become uh, whoever we want to be and to see whoever we want to see in, in the sphere. It's really, it's really empowering. So it's freedom. Can I just give you a soul snap on that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's that's super inspiring, and I think it, it kind of um, it just connects because when you guys were going around talking about like what brought you to burlesque, it seemed like you know there were many stories where there was a lot of places where you're just like I don't really know, I'm kind of lost, I'm looking for something, and burlesque opened this door for you, and it seems like just such a liberating experience, even in the way that you entered and found burlesque. Mm -hmm. It's a candy ass here. It's kind of like an aha moment the light bulb just sort of goes off on you when you discover a new genre of movement technique and you just go oh, i want to do that mm -hmm. um the most traditional uh, definition of burlesque is that it comes from burlesca the italian physical italian comedy so it's lowbrow humor it's physical comedy um it comes from commedia dell'arte and it's not the uh, sacred form of theater uh performance but it's the profane it's the lowbrow and from there 
because it was physical comedy. Dance later got included in the 19th century, and Pretty Dancing Girls, and from there it got even more lowbrow as <laughs> more and more layers got <laughs> taken off and more legs were exposed. <laughs> I, I guess I just like how you were like, yeah, how, how you underlined that we all found it a dark period of our lives, so hence the stereotype of, you know, she was at the bottom of the barrel and then she started stripping. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the definition of burlesque, it, it, it is nebulous. Also, when you look in the neo-burlesque movement, so the revival that's happened since the, the 1990s and that has just gained steam with time and obviously the advancement of technology, which has had a great influence on the, the widespread that's a word, widespreadness, that's a word <laughs> of it. Yeah, also when you look at now, even in neo-burlesque, you have a lot of people who will do the more, what is considered classic burlesque, you know, the homage to the 30s and the 40s, and then you have the people who, you know, who are more neo-burlesque artists in the sense of there will be more of a narrative, more silliness, much more rooted in the zeitgeist, and then the people who just do really awesome, weird stuff on stage and really push the envelope... Hi, I'm Cherry, and Scott Graham's point of view is very important because we are actually a generation of neo-burlesque. That means now we have very new generation or new age of burlesque because origin of burlesque is as Verma Candias told. Uh, that is form of art or home form of vaudeville or form of theater. That is the origin. However, now burlesque has, has been changed after the big revolution of neo-burlesque. One more big difference is now we developing community. Before neo-burlesque, there is no burlesque community because that is more theater, that is more industry. So now we, we discover what is burlesque again and why we are doing burlesque and what we can make burlesque community. Mm -hmm. So building community is a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sugarpuss here. I, I just watched a brilliant documentary called Behind the Burley Queue by an American uh, filmmaker named Leslie Zemeckis that really hit home for me the, the major difference. And in the neo-burlesque community, Something that has has become very prominent is is this uh, adulation of the legends, the older women and men, very rarely the men now, uh, the women who are still alive, who are in their seventies, eighties, um, who were performing back in the day in the real kind of vaudeville circuit when they had wheels from town to town to town and people would hop on trains in the middle of the night and it wasn't fun. They didn't have choices or options. They were the erotic dancers of their time. They were really fighting and struggling to make a buck, and they were abused, and they were... I mean, it was not a pretty kind of life. It was a life where sisterhood developed, you know, kind of by accident, and, and you ran with your clan of, of fellow performers who were all, like, living in bedsits trying to eat you know, canned beans, if you were lucky. Like, it was really brutal. And we, the, the brothers and sisters of the neo-burlesque community now, have a chance to demonstrate what this art form was. But we, we have a responsibility to remember where we came from and to kind of lift up those, old, those other stories, those older dancers' stories. And something that's really interesting... Uh, that I've been noticing too in this, this spirit of community is that a lot of the, the events and the fundraisers, particularly in the states, send money to to specific performers. There's a performer right now, Big Fanny Annie, who is dying of, of yeah. diabetes complications. I think mm -hmm. yeah. kidneys, gastric bypass surgery. I mean, I and and you know, she's one of the ones whose picture you would see and you'd say, "Oh my gosh, so beautiful in the sequins and look at her legs and her blood and this and that." She's dying, and I mean, in in this world where healthcare is like not uh, so obvious and um, and everybody's kind of struggling in a different way that's really been inspiring to me to see this new generation of, of young women and men uh, kind of lift these these other older performers up you know whether it's kind of buying their old costumes or redoing their old acts or just bringing them to the events getting them out of the house going to visit them sending them cards it's it's beautiful and that's 
really important for us to kind of bond together now because we have the choice to be friends and to be a community of of brothers and sisters it's it's uh and you don't find that in theater you don't find that in in the film industry you don't find that in that typical caddy performance realm i haven't anyway this is Libertine Rose here. That yeah, there is a real sense of community, and for someone having just entered it um, over the course of the last year and a half, I've really sensed that. Um, and from doing research and watching other performers from the states and from all over the world, really, um, everyone seems so engaging and so welcoming. That sense of community is very tangible. Donor here. I, I wanted to ask something because Miss uh, Sugarpuss brought this up when she was talking about how she came into burlesque, and then you were talking a little bit about burlesque dancer who's sick and, and getting support. So it made me think about financially. Um, I mean, as contemporary dancers, even if you're dancing for a great company, you're probably living under the poverty line. What is it like financially for um, burlesque? You know, like more like is it because you're in a different scale, you're you're performing in different kinds of venues, like is this something that can bring in something viable for you guys? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar puss says maybe, but mm, it's really tough. Some dancers performers, some burlesque performers have been able to do it. Some who have really taken the plunge and made those those business-minded choices to brand, to become their own machine, you know, the, the ones that you really see, the Dita Von Tees kind of style of, of mainstream, really mainstream. But I don't know. I think I, I can safely say that anybody who's doing contemporary dance, alternative theater, or cabaret <laughs> doesn't want to be mainstream or or can't necessarily hit that level of of sell outedness. And, and it's it's rotten of me to say it because you know I just want to make a living without having to worry about my next paycheck. That's really all I want. But that's I mean that's kind of like a dream, a golden dream. So. Candy ass here. Realistically, you're not going to make $350 a week or minimum wage working this, really, unless you're like Dita Von Tees bringing a specific contract act to Crazy Horse or Lido and such. Otherwise, you'll get a nice corporate gig here and there. You'll do your own shows, produce your own shows. And if you can get a few dollars in your pocket at the end of the day after producing it, great. But week in, week out, not really. Mm-hmm. It's not like having a corporate nine-to-five job. You're not really going to quite make the money on it to put really food and a car and have a life really out of it. But yes, you can work and make it as a machine as much as you can. Yeah, right? yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. This is Cherry, and I totally agree and understand because I, I live with, with my art. But it's, it's too hard. Every time we calculate our budget... And every time traveling, <laughs> traveling, and every every cost is because we are self-employed. So that is the big difference of us and the data ponties, you know. But that's the thing. Like I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by the dancers who have this success. I'm fascinated by the ones who kind of pop up into the media, and and it's because of internet technology, really, let's be honest, that anybody even knows what burlesque is now. I mean, you have someone like Dita, her picture goes all over the place, and everyone's like, oh, Dita Von Tees equals burlesque. Not necessarily true, but I, I'm fascinated by where that changed for her, because sh- her story is not dissimilar to any of ours in this room. You know, she was stripping in Los Angeles, I think, and she was bringing a burlesque sensibility to her acts. She worked at a lingerie shop, and then suddenly it just started snowballing, and she met all these people and probably marketed herself. She got a publicity she got agent a publicity. and a talent See, agent. and that's and the thing. She was dating she Marilyn was Manson. And then it, well, eventually. <laughs> yeah. This is Candy S here. Um, we try to just plug in our shows and just do the best we can at what we do, and hopefully still have a lot of joy in performing and Mm -hmm. enjoying what we are doing. And I think that's maybe one of the main aspects about each of us discovering burlesque is that it's refreshing and it's joyful from what we do and practice as our quote-unquote regular art, Mm -hmm. if those of us who are in the arts field here. Uh, Libertine here. Well, yeah, just to add on to that, one of the the most beautiful things about burlesque is that we all have creative control and creative freedom to produce our own shows or to come up with our own acts and 
that means every aspect of that act. So we're doing, we're, we're creating the costumes, we're coming up with the choreography, we're deciding, designing the set and deciding every aspect of it. And that's not always lucrative when you're putting on your own show. And it's hard. I mean, I, I, I constantly struggle with this because I also do professional acting work. I do professional voice work, and that's all, you know, kind of managed, not managed, but it's run by the union rates, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a union girl on the other side of it. I'm an equity member for theater, and I've got all these other realms that I can operate in, but burlesque, it lives just below that. And so if I, you know, I have to make a choice at certain points. I have an agent, but I have an agent for acting, and... I can't have her manage my burlesque career because then I wouldn't really have the burlesque career that I wanted. And I'd have to make all those sacrifices to get, you know, some sleazy person telling me to change this and change that. That's what I imagine. Although I'm really looking at a lot of interesting entrepreneurial websites now for for exactly that, how to get exactly what I want, you know, out of out of my art the way I want to do it myself. But it's like mm. it's a long hard process. Because we're artists. I get depressed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And winter's coming. Um, anyways, I, I just wanted to add to that. I feel like it's super important, you know, to keep our integrity as artists. And like you were saying, it's it's important for you to be able to have your freedom as a burlesque performer. But um, I really vouch for being able to do our art, keep our integrity, and not have to struggle financially and, and have the public appreciate what we're doing and thus bring in the financial aspect. So I say we all work together to make that happen for all of us. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> snaps. Yeah, so snaps. I don't even know what this Gold is, but I like snap. it. I'll put that in my next show. Snaps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you said they were soul snaps? So kind of soul snaps. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a beatnik burlesque show. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's another thing that's interesting. We're all Canadian performers and and this art form really is an American kind of traditional art form. I mean, we had burlesque here in Montreal in the 20s and 30s, 40s. We had a we had a cabaret vaudeville kind of scene, but it was it had a different flavor. And I I watch the American industry of burlesque and it really is becoming an industry and people down there can really have these sort of mainstream careers where some of them are actually in movies and on television and doing these reality shows and it hasn't quite hit the same way in Canada as far as I can tell I don't know but maybe I'm wrong although it's fun oh, so kind of come here to see one Canadian who's who's hit that sort of stride is Roxy Delight with mm. you know like burlesque assassins and comic book appearances count yeah she's a recurring guest villain in a comic book which I think is pretty damn badass <laughs> that's pretty yeah. cool um, libertine here. A lot of the burlesque performers in the states also teach too. Yeah, but I think or have their own schools. That's right. Yeah, they have their academies, right, Velma? Yes, yes, they do. They Which do. isn't so <laughs> popular here. I haven't seen that so much. No, but also there is a definite, distinctive aesthetic to the American style of burlesque. You can tell a Canadian right. performer from an American. Yeah, almost. Right, Cherry. <laughs> Yes, I really clearly understand what is the difference of Canadian ballet performer and American ballet performer. And I'd like to say I love all kinds of ballet, you know. But I find, because I, I studied my international career in the United States, I find some of Canadian ballet dancers, of course, little by little. That's interesting. Canadian ballet performer is very theatrical. Even if they are very choreographed person, they are something theatrical. I'm inter interested in that. And I, in 2008, I came to Montreal and I met with Miss Sugarpuss and I, I met with Sescali, Sugarpuss, and Eridia, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh my goodness, they are, they are very theatrical. Mm. Oh, M Montreal is especially good at expression. I don't know why, but I, don't. I, I, I think that that makes Montreal special. If Montreal, Montreal community more grown up or more united mm -hmm. by the love of burlesque sisterhood, yeah, we make more more speciality. Yeah, and yeah, Vancouver has their theatrical style, and Toronto has, and yeah, variety is amazing. So. I think with Montreal, it's because of the language. We have a, a natural sort of customs barrier to, mm -hmm. you know, the rest of. Uh, it's a sort of gateway. So 
burlesque as a whole uh, has taken longer to take root here, and it mainly came through the Anglophones. Mm. You know, um, burlesque has a completely different different definition for the Francophones. They still understand it as the physical comedy. They don't understand it as burlesque stripping erotic dance. Mm. So that's taken longer for the Francophone side to be educated. But someone like Mademoiselle Wee Wee here in Montreal has uh, is very well known on the Francophone side and has done a lot to um, create a more larger awareness of this. But as a whole, I think, yeah, because of Montreal being isolated from the other cities, the, the aesthetics here are overall different and have developed differently. We don't have like you go to most other cities, you have five or ten can-can troops, you have five or ten glamour troops, you know, all this sort of stuff, and that has not really occurred here. Um, there's been a lot more of the theatrical individual styles, uh, soloists, more of just really two, three major groups here, long-running groups, and each are very distinctive in their styles. So I think that that's, yeah, Montreal has been definitely unique compared to the development in other cities. I think it's, uh, so can I come here? I think it's interesting when you mention um, various troops in, in other towns where it's like, oh, glamour troop, this troop, that troop. I, I feel like it, an interesting parenthesis to open is um, I'm originally from Ottawa, and I was, I've been in Montreal for about good eight years now, and I was one of those people who was like, oh, thank God I left. I didn't know what I was missing, and oh, Ottawa is so boring, and I gotta hand it to them though, they actually have a really interesting burlesque scene and one of the things I find interesting is that they also have the little niche troops, you know, you have the more gory stuff, you have like you have brown coats burlesque, which is this nerd geek Firefly. Troop. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> Firefly and everything like they're they're giant nerds. I've performed with them, they're a ton of fun. Um they they have all the niche little things so Ottawa's actually really interesting yeah Velma and I were down there about a month ago and uh, uh it was pretty the awesome Fields brothers just rocked oh my, my socks yes. I so want to be in bed with them all <laughs> <laughs> they do a very Fosse style um performance cabaret style dance and they're all it's an all-male troupe and they strip down to their little cute little boxer shorts and boxer in, a, in a very 1920s aesthetic with Bob Fosse moves, so that's <laughs> just mustaches. That is oh. just such a tender part of my heart. I think I just and uh, ass. <laughs> <laughs> is there a festival de burlesque here in Montreal yet? Yes. yes. Oh yes, it's yes. the uh, we've had how many now? Four, it's uh, two, three? 2009, 10, 11, 12, 14. Four. Four. Yeah, we just yeah. had our fourth festival, and that festival was started by a performer who's relatively new in Montreal. Her name is Scarlett James, but she's a pretty um, incredible producer. She really has single handedly put a festival together. Got to give her um, props for that, and she has a particular kind of mandate for the festival, which is it leans more towards the glamour element um, these days. Festivals are really tough because you're always going to be dealing with this issue in burlesque of everybody having a unique style, everybody having something completely different to say than the next person. And th there is a danger in burlesque um, to have it become mainstream, to have it become really only one style, even within the umbrella of glamour, you know, you can, it, it gets limiting. And so there's been a lot of growing pains surrounding the Montreal Burlesque Festival. There've been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, there's been strife and there's been emotions that run high. But I think that if we keep, working at producing our own unique shows everybody here and everybody out there other other performers like you said Jerry like you talked about Sesca Lee and El Diablo we all go through these these ups and downs of doing productions ourselves I think that just the more we put out there the better the festival will end up being because more people from all over the world will keep coming performers locally will will start just kind of blasting their numbers around the city and it it's just at this point, it's like a, it's. I think the festival is at a kind of a, a, a crux, like a, like a crossroads point. Yeah, maybe like the way anything has growing pains. It's like a teenager now, and it's 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 going through these growing pains, which I I completely respect actually, and uh, I I'm glad that at least we've got a festival, mm -hmm. um, even though it doesn't always speak to necessarily exactly what burlesque means all the time to all of us. Mm -hmm. I've I've you know. 
I'm always struggling with what burlesque means to me and what kind of show I want to see. Yes, uh, and you know, uh, the, especially the movie burlesque. Yeah, the movie burlesque. <laughs> movie burlesque. Yeah, a few weeks ago, uh, it's Cherry. A few weeks ago, I went to Seattle, Washington, and we, we watched the movie burlesque with 300 burlesque professional dancers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I totally love the experience yeah. because most of the people really care about mainstream and the mo- I respect the movie and I really thanks to the movie because before the movie many people do not know doesn't know about the word burlesque <laughs> unfortunately many people misunderstand the word burlesque so <laughs> And it's all thanks to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to the movie. Thanks, Cher. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. But I, yeah, was, I was gonna say which movie we're talking about. Oh, the one with Cher. Yeah. Yeah. The one with Cher yeah. and Christina. Yeah. So we don't like that. We oh, hate well, that movie. Too. Well, well, it's not really uh, accurate. Oh, wait, 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 Velma, wait. Velma. <laughs> well, it was it was the brother of the choreographer of the Pussycat Dolls who was involved in, <laughs> in choreographing, and and there were elements involved, but. Ironically enough, that film, as bad as it was for many elements of the filming of it and and the concept and such, surprisingly, actually, the plot line spoke to me a lot because it was a fight about dancers against an evil developer. And so, in my case, that was actually like quite relevant because it was actually the same fight about having airspace above a building and the, the fight for writing, the right to have a space within the downtown sector and who is defined as to who is allowed to be in that sector. And that's the same issue with the Cartier de Spectac. Yeah, Velma is a big hero here in Montreal. Soul snap. Yeah, soul that's snap, big soul, soul snap. Yeah. Velma has been fighting. Yeah. Yeah, for a while. Um, but it's a bad film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I could just throw a quick parenthesis on there. Um, when that around the time the movie came out, I had just joined the Blood Ballet Cabaret. So beginning 2011, I think the movie came out probably like late 2010 or something like that. And it was our second show, and we were doing a show on Oscar night. So it was an Oscar themed like all movies show. And uh, Lady Josephine, who just recently. Uh, left Montreal, but will be back. She's kind of bopping around doing the uh, nomadic traveling burlesque thing, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We decided to put together a number spoofing the movie Burlesque, and even though it was was hardly our, our strongest number, I mean, it was fun that even though the crowd at Blood Ballet, some of them were starting to be regulars, but a lot of them felt it felt like they weren't very familiar with the burlesque scene, but we got a lot of big laughs, and I feel like, you know, we got the point across of, that movie, guys, that ain't it. That ain't it. Don't trust them. <laughs> it kind of makes me think of the relationship between uh, contemporary dance and so you think you can dance. Oh, I was uh, totally just thinking of that. Because now everybody lyrical knows. Lyrical dance. That's totally lyrical. me. Candy ass. <laughs> exactly. They put all these categories out there and they misrepresent them, but at least people are watching. At least people are interested and they know the names of these styles now. So it's a give and take. I don't always appreciate the type of contemporary dance represented on there, but I am thankful that now when people, you know, at least know or have heard of contemporary dance. So, you know, there's always like a, there's always, you get some and, and you lose some. I don't. JD here. I don't. I mean, just going out of burlesque and going back to contemporary dance for a bit. I feel that, and you might, you might feel that for the movie burlesque too, but sometimes people have such ideas about what it now represents to them that mm-hmm. when you see them, what you're doing, they'll see, oh, that's not really contemporary dance. I don't know if you get that for burlesque too. Yeah, that's it's it's really frustrating. I mean, I'm I'm all for all publicity is good publicity, except that's not necessarily true. And it's back to the art versus money kind of problem. I'm a teacher of burlesque. I I have been teaching pretty much since 2006, and I have a responsibility to be open-minded and and not judgmental about all the burlesque that's out there so that I don't destroy my students' ideas and uh, inspirational whatevers. However, I (laughs) I have to really bite my tongue, pinch my leg when someone comes up to me and says, oh, cool, you do burlesque. It's like that movie with Cher. That's my favorite movie. And I mean, yay, Cher and all, but... (laughs) 
It's really not. It's like saying showgirls is about, you know, really great dancing and empowered women. It's It's topless Vegas dancing. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. So I always, my face, I have to keep the smile on my face and say, it's a little bit like that. There are a bunch of other elements to burlesque, but yes, it's just, it's that's sort of the starting point for burlesque, you know. And I have to really catch myself because I don't want to be a jerk, but um, it's it's dangerous for people because they they do they get a certain idea, and especially I'm being a little facetious now, but what is the most important thing is that burlesque only showed one kind of body, one kind of woman, mm. one kind of stereotype for for gay people and lesbians and you know others the other elements of of our society. It didn't represent that beautifully at all. It was it was wretched. You have to be careful because in burlesque all bodies are welcome. All people are welcome. Mm. If if we just show one kind, people are going to kind of go under without being seen or heard or feel good. Well, on that note, uh, JD again, uh, do you feel that the movie could have been a hit if it had been actually much more body inclusive and mo- body positive? I, Sugar Puss, think that the, bo- uh, the, the movie could have been better if they'd actually done some research about what burlesque in in the in the contemporary time now actually is i mean if they had actually talked to one freaking burlesque dancer who is performing now mm. yes yes because they would have maybe seen uh, a dirty martini style body which is mm-hmm. large and, and round and beautiful and jiggly and and rolls of of flesh quite glorious i'm not sure that that I mean, it probably would have helped, but then you have the problem of kind of token fat chick, token mm-hmm. gay person, token what, whatever. The token um, other. The token other. And that's a really dangerous kind of path to tread upon as well. So, I mean, yes, it probably would have been better if there had been one fat chick in the movie. But then again, maybe not. I'm not sure. Hollywood doesn't roll that way. So no. they have that obligation <laughs> of having to, I think, just maintain a specific aesthetic because that's what sells for mm-hmm. the general mass, I think. I just wanted to say really quickly, uh, when Holly mentioned they'd done research and actually talked to some performers, it makes me think of an article I'd read on the subject about Tempest Storm, who is now, mm. she's 84, or well, she's 21, because she was born on a leap year, 21. <laughs> um, Tempest Storm, who is one of the big legends, and who's going to be in Toronto in January. Yay! Someone accompanied her to a screening because she was like, hey, I heard that this is based on my life. I'm going to go watch it and sue them if it is. <laughs> and she watched. She's like, what the hell is this? No, that I, I'm not suing them, obviously, but what the hell is this? They <laughs> obviously didn't do their homework. Uh, Velma here. I think like most dance movies that come out on a specific genre, it's just a fart in the wind. <laughs> You look at things like Step It Up yeah. and, and that series, and I had the misfortune of watching, I think, Step It Up 3 or number 4, where, oh, no. where they're in Europe, and, and you know, the guy, the, the choreographer who's desperate to cobble a uh, hip-hop troupe together, <laughs> he, he puts uh, some tango dance together, and, oh, it was just horrendous. Some of the choreography was actually very beautiful in it and beautifully filmed, But plot lines sucked. And just, is it really representative of of the hip-hop genre per se? No, of course not. So I find most typical dance movies, really, just let it pass. Just sit there quietly and it'll just pass by. Sugar Puss again. There are really great movies like Tournée by Mathieu Amalric that features... It's kind of documentary-ish. I mean... You just have to keep your eyes open for the real deal. If you're really interested in it, there are ways to find what you need and what you actually want to see. I'd like to tell how media has a strong power. When the, the movie burlesque came to Japan, every young generation of Japan brainwashed by the movie. And, mm-hmm. oh, you have a round body. Are you doing burlesque? Yes, I am, I said. <laughs> Then the next year, the movie Tournée came to came to Japan again. And Tournée is starring New York ballet dancers and many Tarantino area-based ballet dancers. And they, they have variety. So like Dirty Martini has learned a beautiful body. And now Japanese people understand and kind of brainwashed. That means media has a strong power to, to express what is ballet. But we are basically live performers, so we have to 
I I am wondering how we express what we do because we are we are ballet performer and there is a lot of performer of color, performer of round body, performer of disabled in ballet industry, and they are really good performers. So ballet has variety. Libertine, <laughs> I just wanted to speak to the body inclusiveness of burlesque. Yeah, that's one. Burlesque has done wonders for my own body image, uh, especially coming from a dance background where there is a really specific, there is that pressure to look a specific way from yourself as much as from, I think, the dance community as well. I don't know. Maybe it's different in contemporary, but... No. <laughs> right. <laughs> body image for women, whether you're in dance or not, it's just like... It's that's just the way that our society is mm-hmm. created. Like whether you're a dancer or not, an actress or not, whether you're a performer or not, like there are such heavy, like strong, like you know, ideas imposed by the media and all that on what a beautiful body right. is. Whether you're yeah, and then stepping into the burlesque community and going to all these shows and seeing all these different sizes on stage, these beautiful like so many different shapes, and that has made me feel so much comfortable with my own body. Mm-hmm. And so now I can get up there on stage and I can take off clothes and I don't, I don't have that pressure anymore. There's no pressure to look a certain way. It's embracing what you have and it's embracing curves. It's about being curvy. It's about having a or women's body. I think in that way it feels like burlesque, you know, when you can bring it onto the stage and show audiences, it would make women feel like when they're sitting in the chair, like, oh, wow, like I can appreciate my body because maybe my body is round and voluptuous like that, as opposed to, you know, looking through a magazine where you're like, oh, my God, like this girl is so skinny. She has no butt and her Mm -hmm. breasts are gigantic. Oh, my God, my body is not like that. So the more that we can put out there for people to see that women actually have body shapes of all shapes and sizes and it's all beautiful and it can have the right to be on a stage i think that that's a very strong message that would be you know let's put it out there for our women mm-hmm. judy here i'm wondering how much education you guys need to do with audience members do you feel that that you ever need to sort of let them know hey in burlesque this is actually acceptable and we're trying to promote that like body variety and oh. body positiveness mm-hmm. oh yes mm-hmm. i have a story um Belma Candy S here. I had brought up fat activist troupe Big Moves from Boston for a couple of my shows, and the Montreal audience here is, was still, I, I would say, still in development. And when the girls came out onto the stage, that troupe, there was a little bit of a moment of silence among my audience. Um, they were used to seeing the various shaped girls in my troupe, but not as big as these ladies from the U.S., you know. And in the U.S., they can be big and powerful. Oh, they embrace that. It's and and yes, and they just proudly stormed the stage and, and were there and they were performing. And there was a little bit of a, the audience was attentive and kind of like looking like, oh, my goodness. But afterwards, they totally were like hooting and hollering for them and realizing mm-hmm. like, this is good. This is totally okay. And that it's okay to have this on stage. It's okay to see it. And it's okay to have performers of different sizes and and appreciate what they can do. And I can't say anything more than that. It was a very beautiful moment to, to see that sort of light bulbs just flashing off in the audience. It's Sugar Puss again. I, I just think I was also in Seattle uh, with Cherry and the Lady Josephine in a smattering of 300 of some of the most interesting burlesque types um, for BurleyCon, which yeah. is a, a sort workshop. of a teaching workshop uh, growth development weekend, which is something that is so necessary to bring to the East Coast. Um, and it's something that I took away from it is this right to be on stage. It's the right to be a human. And anybody who shames anybody else's body because it's too skinny or it's too fat or it's too weird or it's too brown or that boy shouldn't be dressing like a girl or whatever if you're gonna body shame then shame on you like just we're all human beings in this nutso world we've got to get it together and just get human again because that's what this is about burlesque is about being a human being with something to say on the, th- the thought of body image and, and educating people, 
uh, one th- thought's been floating around my head for the past few months is uh, Men in Burlesque, which I, I am obviously very much for, and I always encourage it more, and I, I kind of lament that Montreal doesn't really have that much boylesque. Fellows, if you're listening, seriously, come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's do this. Give it time. <laughs> Give it time. It will come. I yeah. am impatient. <laughs> you have to be patient. But you're saying bo- boylesque, yeah? Yes. And yeah. is it most, the, the actual boylesque that there are in Montreal are they gay or do they have to be gay or is it just a stereotype um, what kind of background would they have would they be actors that would be oh maybe I'd like to try this or dancers just, just or? like us female burlesque performers they can yeah. come from any background you come from dance you come from theater you come from juggling you come from mime uh, you're from transgendered you're not transgender you're fluid you're, gender yeah. whatever yeah. it really it doesn't matter if you have something to say on stage and you feel you can do it with an artistic stripping act Go for it. And some glitter. Don't forget the glitter. Boylesque <laughs> <laughs> is just a lovely little play on words. <laughs> yeah. I think Tigger may have coined it. Tigger is a performer out of New York. Sugar Puss here. <laughs> Tigger is the king, the first king of Boylesque. I don't know if the prevalence is, is uh, any particular sexuality or gender, um, but Boylesque is... It's an interesting realm, too, because it has a certain sacred element to it because men know that burlesque is a woman's realm. And I mean, I, I will say that burlesque is a woman's realm, whether you, however you feel you are a woman. And if if someone doing boylesque feels more like a woman and wants to say that they're doing burlesque, then good, fine, cool. However, it is still kind of a sacred realm because of all the abuse and, and the ugliness that came before for the women involved in that world. Um, so boylesque has this really neat opportunity to take everything that burlesque does and you know throws around and spins upside down and do it again and opposite and over and over again and just keep spinning it however however they can which i really 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 love but i yeah i mean i, I think i've heard a few rumblings from within the community that it's not right or it shouldn't be necessarily but i, I disagree with it i think that boylesque is just a really exciting place to explore even more what we've already been exploring um sickly here with bur- with boylesque uh another thing I've been thinking about a lot is also the body image in boylesque because the, it is becoming more pr- uh, prevalent and you have some really talented people and I certainly don't mean to knock anyone in the, the, the boylesque world but I want to see more shapes and sizes because I still feel a lot of it is you know oh my god he's so cut he's so ah, you know and I mean obviously still very talented people from theater backgrounds dance backgrounds but you know I, I feel like because it seems like such a loaded word. Patriarchy. Yeah. Patriarchy um, imposes also just, the, you know, not only on how women should look, but how men should look also. And just this concept, you know, that a lot of guys who are like, oh, no, I, I can't do that. I can't take my clothes off. I don't look like this. I don't look like that. And it's, you know, that's it's not a gender specific like it affects everyone mm. so i mean i just want to see everyone of every gender in every shape naked. yeah naked yeah it's <laughs> all just about the nakedness <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. this is Alison. i want to ask a question about how you teach burlesque because i know some of you teach and i know there's more to it than just how do you go about taking off your clothes and what the movements are so what is involved in teaching uh, sugar puss here. I'll I'll be brief. My my classes have been developing kind of year by year, group by group. I teach very carefully. I'm I'm pretty much the first person to say that my burlesque classes sometimes have very little burlesque in them at all. And it's really just about getting into your body, finding your bombshell, I like to call it, because I don't know who's going to take my class. Uh, Sometimes it's just people who want to move again. Sometimes it's people who actually want to perform burlesque. So I gauge it as I go. But, you know, you get into your body, you touch your body. We do, you know, a lot of breathing and yoga stuff and Pilates and rock and roll dancing and a little bit of ballet and a little bit of this and that. Um, and because I'm a unique performer, I bring my unique kind of teaching style to to the group. And it, it's really a happy, hippy-dippy, feel-good, shimmy fest in the end where we do a little bit of choreography. But it, it can be for people who have never done an ounce of exercise in their lives. And I always want people to know that it's not a Christina Aguilera share dance class. It may have Fosse and it may not. <laughs> Depends so- on the day. 
Where can we find more information on your classes? Well, uh, you can find them on my uh, under construction website, www.misssugarpuss.com, M-I-S-S-S-U-G-A-R-P-U-S-S.com. I'm always open to teaching anybody for private classes, and I like to do bachelorette parties. And but it's 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 I do it with care. I do it with care and with respect for everybody who approaches me. It's not for everyone either. No, um, Velma Candias here. I've also been teaching for a number of years, and I feel my classes are quite process oriented. It's a step by step building up of the building blocks. I very much have a vocabulary that I teach and really learn to isolate parts of the body because most of the women and men who come into my class often don't have a dance or any sort of formal movement training so they got to be able to feel the parts and how to isolate a shoulder roll from mm-hmm. a rib cage from their spine from their pelvis and rediscover moving that pelvis and that it's okay to thrust out your pelvis in a much more direct you know, erotic sort of way. And uh, I don't necessarily give a lot of choreography. I, I put the building blocks of the movement vocabulary in, and then I try to make a distinguishing factor between the old school of movements versus modern style stripping and what those differences are and how to listen to the music, how to play with the tempo, costume elements. But for me, it's important that they learn to develop their own persona of what they, if they're planning to go on stage, well, here's the building blocks for that. But if you're just wanting to do this for, for fun and just discover something about yourself or your inner goddess, quote unquote, from a terrible book recently, <laughs> learning to do the merengue with some salsa moves, well, you can also learn to do some, definitely some moves in class and build up something that's fun and joyous for yourself and really discover that erotic dance is not a terrible thing, that we all have. Erotic dance has been around for thousands of years and it's been banned in many countries and over many centuries. And we will always have erotic dance in various forms. Mm-hmm. And so it's just about learning to embrace it and use our bodies in a powerful way. Uh, Allow yourself to be accepting of it, and if you go on stage with it, great. If you don't and you just do it in the privacy of your own home or your shower stall, (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) Where can we find information on your classes? www.joytoys.com, J-O-Y-T-O-Y-Z.com. And I do bachelorette parties, too, of course, like sugar <laughs> plus, because it's a lot of fun. And I mean, just for two hours with a bunch of crazy girls getting getting ready to be married, it's like, oh, my God, they are so hilarious and so <laughs> intense. On, but we want to learn these moves and we're going to do the snake and the kitten. And, and it's like, OK, relax, girls. One step at a time. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's Jerry. And I also te- teach in my class um, in my in my class, I really care about confidence, mm-hmm. their confidence towards themselves. That is very important in, in ballet. And uh, I don't know why, but they, they want to take, take their clothes off. But I believe they have some reason to take it off. So first of all, I teach to, to unite their body and soul. And my, my major is a Japanese dance and breathing, so I... I teach my my skill with with bleaching technique, and then every time I I t- tell my student, we have very sensual relationship. Only if we get we become friend or we become couple, usually we make build relationship. But in burlesque dance, we have to make relationship like twenty seconds, mm-hmm. ten seconds. So. If we want to make a relationship with the audience, first we have to make a relationship by ourselves and, and the people surround, surrounded by us. So I, I teach these things by theatrical tips. And then, of course, I teach basis of neo-ballesque movement like bump, grind, shimmy, and tussle twirling. But that is just a skill. More important thing is body and soul and why you want to take it off. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that is my workshop, and I, I give this kind of blazing workshop, theater technique workshop, and a Japanese dance workshop, and ballet basis. And my, my workshop is available at Theater Festival, International Ballet Festival, and I, now I am planning to do workshop in Montreal. 
my workshop information is at www.cherrytyphoon.com. And of course, I am available at <laughs> bachelorette party or <laughs> workshop or whatever. I think among all of us who teach, it's kind of funny that, yeah, we can almost say that learning the actual classic quote-unquote burlesque moves is almost secondary, actually, to connecting with your pelvis, connecting with your kundalini chakras. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, there is something very visceral, very earthy to all forms of sensual dance, whether it's like makosa, sabar, or belly dance, um, burlesque, uh, which is really the bad sister of belly dancing. And there is about connecting to a more inner, earthier part of your body in, in terms of then bringing it out as an outer expression. Yeah. Sugarpuss here. I didn't become a woman until I found burlesque and the, the freedom to move my pelvis around in a lascivious manner, to jiggle my belly fat around. You know, I really became who I was meant to be, even if I'm not stripping, even if I'm not taking anything off or even really dancing very much. The whole persona of my burlesque character only arrived when I made peace with, with elements of who I was as a human being and as a woman. It's it's really quite amazingly esoteric and, and soulful when you if you're doing it in the way that I think most of us here in this room are doing it. And then, you know, some people would argue probably like, no, I, I just like to put this corset on and uh, move a feather fan around. But, you know, for me, can't have uh, just that. I have to have it all. Ladies, it's been wonderful, but <laughs> time does fly, and we're coming to the Aww. end. <laughs> Sad snap. Um, <laughs> Sad clap. <laughs> Thank you to Cherry Typhoon, to Velma Candias, Sucre à la Crème. Miss Libertine Rose and Miss Sugarpuss, thank you all for coming in. Perhaps uh, for those of you who haven't been able to give a shout out of uh, either a website or uh, an event we should be looking forward to in the far future, perhaps we can do that now. Candy S here. I have my monthly cabaret show on the third Friday of the month. Look for CandySClub.com. And December 21st is the apocalypse. So strap on your tin hat and go for the ride. <laughs> At Theatre St. Catherine on December 20th, uh, Cherry Typhoon, Lady Josephine, and me, Miss Sugarpuss. And Miss Libertine Rose is in it, too. Oh, Mr. Crackram is in it. Well, everybody <laughs> else uh, is in uh, a wonderful show called Holiday Land. December 20th, uh, Theatre St. Catherine.com, I believe. Thanks so much for coming. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Can we end with a Yay! little... Uh, so snap! So snap! So snap! So snap. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theatre. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet is produced and hosted by... Alison Burns. J.D. Papillon. Jen Doan. Joanie Ferrand. And distributed by No More Radio. You can find more about our show at nomoradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. And you can find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Tune in next week for a whole new show. You got me horny in the morning and you know, oh, oh, I tried to call you but I can't find the telephone. I sent a message through the internet but it rejected. I wrote a letter and I sent it with the post. The post it takes so long so I've got to sing this song to let you know how I feel. What's the deal baby? And I can't wait for you and the things you make me do. My heart is ringing and I'm singing this song to you. I'm horny, 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 horny. I got so desperate that I sent a rocket to the moon in New York City. Someone said they saw you singing the blues. Was a man from nowhere land that 
look like you I will keep searching on these feelings Much too strong, my heart is ringing And I'm singing this song for you 